So when I first decided to venture out into the world of online dating, I gave Christian Mingle a shot because I figured that maybe I would have, you know, better luck and not getting gross pictures or, you know, just overall have a better chance of finding a Christian man. I did meet this guy. We decided to go on a date and we played putt-putt, a couple of side hugs in there, you know, went to dinner, pretty normal first date. So after the date was over, I texted him and I just said that I had a really good time and thanked him again for coming to see me. And he proceeded to tell me that I wasn't wife material because I only thanked him one time for dinner. We did not go on a second date. Damn, Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, where the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group. We find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We have met, my name is Jonathan Carone, and we're joined as always by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people today. Ow, chicka, wow, wow. It's dating time. I mean, hi guys, how's it going? We're, uh, you we're had to in make that Feb- awkward, didn't you? Yeah, I do, because it's February, man, and what would a good youth group be without a good talk about dating, relationships, sex, Whatever you want to talk about. This is February, so so we need to uh, get into it, pun intended. <laughs> Unless you're the person who's catching up on past podcasts and it's like July 4th. Just put and your so, mindset in February then. Just think think happy back. Happy birthday America to that guy. Exactly. Yeah. Think back. You're, you're a sophomore or a junior in high school. You walk into youth group and it's the first youth group of February and love is in the air. And you know your youth pastor is going to stand up, start talking about it. I'm putting you on the spot here. What was the best dating and relationships series title you had? Uh, oh, I've got two for you, but I want to hear yours. Well, we did do that series. I told you we did do that series called F words and it was, it was friends, family. Then we had to bleep it out, but it was basically sex. So it was friends, family, sex. And then I forget what the other F one was, but that was a whole series. And that was edgy, man, because we made it F words. But the third F word was sex instead of, you know, the F word. <laughs> so ours was uh, we did a series called Best Sex Ever. Oh, yeah. And I was so proud of myself because this would have been 2011. I took the artwork from Best Week Ever on VH1. Oh, yes. And I changed that. I changed that artwork to be Best Sex Ever. And I was so dang proud of how good that looked. Nice. And then um, a couple years later, we did one called How Not to Get Caught. Okay. So those were the, probably the two that I would, I would lean towards. All yours is probably a little better. But last week, we talked about Christian friendships. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Christian dating. And a lot of what we're talking about today can be traced back to one singular place. Mm. And if you've been around the church for a while, you probably know where we're going with this. <laughs> but it was a book by Joshua Harris that came out in 1997 called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Yes. And if you're like a lot of us who grew up in the 90s and early 2000s, you heard that title and you instantly have PTSD. And for that, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. But if you didn't read I Kiss Dating Goodbye or you don't know what it's about, um, I'm just going to read you the Wikipedia description here. I've got it in our notes. 
In I Kiss Dating Goodbye, Harris popularized the concept of courting as an alternative to mainstream dating. Harris said that it is more appropriate and healthy in the long run to participate in group dates in order to truly understand the way a particular person interacts with others. Harris proposed a system of courtship that involved the parents of both parties to a greater degree than in usual in conventional dating. In an interview with Family Christian Stores, by the way, do you remember Family Christian Stores? They are my completely be- gone from today. My best friend was a manager at a Family Christian Store, so okay. I remember them well. So in an interview with them, he indicated that, quote, people have taken the message of I kiss dating goodbye and made it something legalistic, a set of rules. That's something that's beyond my control and is disappointing at times, end quote. So like many of the things we talk about today, Josh had said something he thought was good and healthy and could help people and it ended up having a negative consequence. That's a lot of what we talk about. How old was he when he wrote the book too? I mean, like he was real young. Wasn't he like 16 or 17? He was still a teenager. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, like, how many dumb things did you think were really good when you were a teenager? (laughs) (laughs) Everything except for pump or except for punk, right? It's not a phase, not an emo phase. Pop punk forever. But I mean, it's, it goes back to how many people in like, Youth pastors are normally right out of school. Yep. They're the dumbest pastors on staff because they've got the least amount of wisdom, life of experience. skill, yeah. of life experience, of everything. But yet they're the ones that are taught to lead teenagers and tell them how to date. Yes. And so like, when we talk about all these things, youth pastors have the best of intentions. But when I was 23, 24 years old working in youth ministry, no one should have been listening to me. Like right. I had no experience whatsoever. So that's what this whole podcast is about. It's about taking the things we thought were good things like Josh thought was good back then and finding what was good in them, picking out the parts that weren't good, unlearning those, and then moving forward as we go forward. So this episode's not solely about, I guess, dating goodbye, but it's more about the things that led to those of us in our thirties and forties. We talked about dating, uh, never be alone with the person you're dating. Like the Duggars put that on a TV show and courtship there. And the idea of only date to marry, that every dating relationship has to be serious. So Eric, you said dating in Christian concepts is the thing that you could talk about for 30 minutes if someone just came up to you and asked. So we got 25 (laughs) minutes left of this episode or ish. One of, one of the things, one of the things. Yeah, we could talk about that. So So what's the question? Where did, where did we go wrong? What was wrong about how we taught people? about dating as Christians. How, how, uh, how much time you have? Okay, so let's do the abridged version. I want to make sure we don't, we don't go into this too much. Now, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, that's probably one thing you should listen to. So one thing that we're not going to go into because we covered it last week is when we, uh, the way that Christians and youth groups approach the whole dating concept it essentially made it very tough for us to have good platonic relationships with members of the opposite sex. If you want more on that, go and and listen to last episode. We covered that a lot more. Uh, The other aspect is something that you talked about last episode and you talk about all the time too. It's the, it's the, the dare situation where we end up bringing up the stuff about drugs that kids never knew about drugs and now they're interested in drugs. So when we start to emphasize all of these like salacious things that you need to stop, especially because like you said, let's put yourself in the mindset. You're an 18, 19, 20 to 25 year old male, which is usually what youth group leaders are. And what are you going through? You're going through uh, different sexual issues and relationship issues and temptations where you are in your stage of life. than your six through 
I don't know, 12th grade youth group that you're leading. And so you're presenting to them about, oh, if you're alone in the room with with a girl, it's like you're probably talking in a college mindset or just after high school. Or talking about yourself. Right. Talking about yourself. Right. And maybe there's alcohol around or involved and things like that. There's it's different than a sixth grader. Okay. All right. So let's let's just put that aside on that side. The other thing is we start in interjecting these things like uh, purity culture, which we don't have time to talk about the whole purity culture moment there, but it creates an unhealthy view of sexuality. It creates an unhealthy view of our bodies. It creates an unhealthy um, expectation on one gender over the other, which we've covered in previous podcasts. But essentially, uh, you start to put these weights and these burdens on women on females on uh let's just make it serious on like 12 13 14 year old girls that you never have that same expectation um on on men as far as what sexuality and other things are so we could go on and on and on in those areas uh but those are just some right off the bat that are just like hey here's some some basic topics that we've kind of done in the wrong way which one do you want to talk about jonathan I think I would start with how we took the idea of guard your heart, which uh-huh. comes from Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. We took that biblical principle and we decided we weren't only going to guard it with a shield, but we were going to put ourselves in a castle with a moat and no drawbridge. Yes. We weren't going to let any, or people shouldn't let anyone, anyone near that. Yep. So we took a good and biblical idea and we put extra, extra biblical rules around it. And so when it came to dating and guarding our heart, we became the Pharisees. We knew it'd be next to impossible to uphold the law. So we put in roadblocks before we could even get close to breaking it. And I'm not going to obsess over roadblocks and guardrails like I normally do. But that was that's the big idea is that we we tried to protect and told kids to protect their hearts so much that we we went the other way too far. Yes. And I I just want to say for any of you listening uh, that knew me or were in uh, youth groups that I led or volunteered in from 2000, I don't know, circa seven to, I don't know, 2015, like, sorry, because guard your heart was probably the word that you heard the most out of our volunteers, especially our female volunteers, ladies, guard your heart, guard your heart, make sure you guard your heart. Are you guarding your heart? Are you guarding your heart? Like that was the thing all the time. And then taking that biblical uh, principle even further, um, I'm pretty sure it never says like guard someone else's heart, but guess what all of us taught all of the dudes and other people to do? You know what? I'm just guarding her heart. What? What, what, what responsibility do you have to guard someone else's heart? That's not what it says. So like, that was just the overarching thing that you pull out one piece of scripture and make that your entire, uh, you know, the entire basis for dating and relationships. Yeah, we, Christian school story time coming. Let's hear it. The idea of guard your heart or... Other biblical ideas uh, were used as weapons in Mm -hmm. a lot of Christian relationships. And this wasn't necessarily, I I can't blame leaders for this necessarily because I don't think leaders ever told people to, but I can't tell you how many times in college I heard stories about 
well, God's just calling me to be single right now. I'm in a or, season of singleness. He's calling me to a season of singleness. Just tell me you don't want to go on a date with me. <laughs> like, I'm going to, I don't want to hear that, but I would rather, I, I think it would have been better for my soul. I'm in a season of faith. pruning right now. I'm pruning and I'm pruning out different relationships and time consumers in my life so I could spend more time with HIM. I feel like we're in the middle of a Trey Kennedy skit right now. I mean, we, I literally but, would hear that. Like, you know, like people would make fun of that. Like, Oh, do you need to date J I M or do you need to spend more time with H I M? Stop it. Stop it. Sorry. So we, we, we weaponized biblical ideas so that we wouldn't have to say no in a relationship. And so guys would say, well, I'm just guarding her heart. So I don't want to get into a relationship. No, Stop. you're just not interested. Or you don't want to settle down, or you don't want to be responsible. Girls, oh, I'm dating Jesus right now. And so, yeah. did you ever hear that one? Yes. And that, like, you say these words, like, guard your heart and dating Jesus. And, like, whole memories, core memories are being unlocked right now. Like, the whole inside out crew that's in my head is just going crazy with these things. Oh my gosh. I'm just dating Imagine Jesus going right to now. a college where the leaders of the college actively promoted hey this is the you're around the most like-minded people you'll ever be in your life so you should probably find a spouse before you graduate and ring by spring while also half the population was dating jesus uh yeah oh gosh that wasn't confusing at all thanks jerry yeah but that that lead the whole thing with with jerry and becky and leading the idea of hey you're around the most like-minded people you'll ever be around so you should probably find a spouse before you graduate. It overemphasizes marriage. And that's another place where I think that we went wrong Yeah, because it made marriage the ultimate goal of every single Christian. Yep. And so if you could only date to get married, then what was the point in dating until you were ready to be married? Mm-hmm. And some people are hearing that they're like, well, of course not. Don't date till you're ready to get married. But if you're 21 years old and you're in college, but you know you don't want to be married until after you graduate and start your career, you're telling me I can't get into a dating relationship? Right. Like, what if we want to date now and it turns into something? Mm-hmm. Why, why should I wait until I absolutely know I'm ready to get married? Because nowhere in the Bible does God put that rule around dating. In fact, the Bible doesn't say much about dating at all because it was written to an entirely different culture than us. Let's just go back to your previous thing too. And ladies, if you're just dating Jesus right now, but you're not supposed to date unless you're going to get married, what does that theological mess mean? <laughs> you can't at you can't at the same time preach to the women in your youth group, "Hey, we are not Mormons. We are not oh. Oh, yikes. Uh, yeah. As I look out my window and there's a Mormon temple in my backyard, basically in my neighborhood. Anyway, jeez, uh, we, we cannot at the same time say uh, we can only reserve dating for people who are, are uh, you know, ready to get married and then also say I'm dating Jesus right now. Those two things are not compatible. And if they are, I don't want to really hear the interaction on that one. There's no PTSD with both of us in the dating oh, Jesus thing there. Gosh. There's absolutely none. There's no. we're not speaking from experience at all. But to get us back on track a little bit and <laughs> to move past me making fun of an entire uh, cult of Christianity, uh, we took a concept. <laughs> if you guys could have seen Eric's face when I said that, um, oh. his, 
his eyes got about as big as my computer screen. But we took a concept that is, I'm trying to pull us in here. I am trying to pull us in here and it's not working. Uh, this is what happens when we record two episodes in the same day. The it's second good. episode is always so much more loose and out there than the it's first good. one. Good. Pause um, for a clear uh, editing spot and go. So we took a concept that is good and holy, <laughs> which is marriage, and we made it an idol. Uh-huh. And we t- we turn uh, we we joked in the past that we put purity on the pedestal, yep. the old forty year old virgin quote. Yep. Um, man, you putting purity, put on, purity a pedestal, on the pedestal, man. Putting purity on a pedestal. And so we've also done that with marriage. And so in that process, we devalued every single person who has ever been in a relationship that ended. Right. Because if you're if our only goal in dating is to get married, and you get into a relationship and it doesn't work out then that was a quote failed marriage or failed relationship. Right. It doesn't matter that the guy, the good Christian girl was dating, he was immature or he cheated on her or he was emotionally unavailable because of the way we frame dating. That girl now thinks she was a part of a failed relationship. Exactly. And so I'll, I'll give you a, a personal example. When I was in college, I was a senior in college. Um, so I was 21. I was, a, I was a young senior. I was dating a girl that was 19 years old, 21, 19, not that big of a deal. Um, I thought I would marry her. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to be the one that I was going to marry. And uh, then she dumped me. And I went into this, like through a semester of this deep, dark depression. And part of the depression came from me thinking that something was wrong with me because the relationship, quote unquote, failed. I was at a Christian school. We were actively told to try to find a spouse. I had just graduated Marriage was put on that pedestal. And it wasn't until years later that I realized the relationship didn't fail. It just wasn't right. Right. So I mentioned 21 and 19. I was a senior, but she had taken a year off of school. So she was a 19-year-old freshman. So where I was only 21 and I was looking to the rest of my life, she was 19 and looking to the rest of college. So it didn't fail. The timing just wasn't right. There were other things that weren't right. And that's a subtle change and how we look at things, but it makes a massive difference in how we view ourselves. There was nothing wrong with me that caused that relationship to fail. It just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that's a good thing because that led me to Nicole or who I've been married to for 10 years now. Yeah. And so like, think about how damaging that would be to, to look and go, okay, you're not obviously going to look at your life now and undo all of that. Oh man, this is the wrong, like this isn't where God has called me to be because that first dating relationship was supposed to be, you know, but if we're not careful, like that's the kind of baggage we carry into our relationships. I mean, I was in the same situation, except uh, I think I was 15 and 16. You know, I thought I had a two year relationship in high school, which looking back is like, okay, dude, that it wasn't that serious, but like, 15, 16 year old Eric at 15. It was serious. Oh yeah. I thought I was going to marry her for sure. And like, I wasn't a church kid at that time. So it like, it wasn't really that same piece, but imagine then now starting to get like real serious and into church and faith in college. And now starting to look at this and people going, well, you, did you know that marriage, uh, marriage, the model for marriage is Christ and his church. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, did I, did I screw this up? You know, anything else like that? And we end up putting on this whole like Ephesians 5 thing, which again is very, yeah, of course, the the model for marriage is Christ and his church. 
but it doesn't say that every single person is supposed to be married or that every person you come across of the of the you know of the other gender is going to be the person that you should marry or that's the only relationship you should ever have with that person i think we take and maybe we're not conflating it from the pulpit but in my head i know for some reason it just crosses over where it's like ephesians 5:21 all of a sudden becomes the whole thing with marriage and being that, you know, the man is the head of the woman as Christ is the head of the church. And we could dig in all of that other submission stuff at a different time. But like, then I go, okay, well then, then that means everybody is supposed to be married. Well, no, that's not what the text says, right? It, it doesn't say that. It says like in a marriage relationship, this is what it defines. But we start assuming that in all of our dating relationships or assuming that in all of our relationships with uh, members of the opposite sex. And I think that if I go big picture, I think part of our motivation was that we were trying so hard to protect sexual purity. Yes. And we, we swung the pendulum so far towards protecting sexual purity, because Mm -hmm. remember in that culture, if you were any sexually active outside of marriage, you were impure. You were damaged goods, according to that I kiss dating by purity culture. So, mm-hmm. in a in an effort to do that to protect from that, we didn't teach people how to be in an actual relationship. In right. the church, we automatically equated that a dating relationship meant sexual acts, mm-hmm. and to protect against going too far, we put in all sorts of rules around dating, and. It's the dare example again. I'm not going to get into it, but when we talk about so heavily against thing, it only makes it natural for people to want to do those things. But when we talked about dating, we only talked about what we were against. Don't touch her there. Don't do this. Don't even think about that until you get to marriage. Right. And then, and then it's all okay. Well, and then you take it a step further, right? And I, I think this is a Baptist quote, I think, or something else like that, that, uh, or whatever it, when you're against even dancing, right? Dancing, what was it as a vertical, Dancing is a is a vertical example of a horizontal desire. Have you ever heard that one? I have. Yeah. So or, part of it all. example might not be the right word, but it's a vertical something of a horizontal desire. So we go so far as to like, you can't even, you can't dance, you know, or what you <laughs> leave some room for the Holy Spirit. Leave right? room for leave, the Holy Spirit. Or leave a Bible space. Did you ever hear that one where you had to have at least, at least the distance of like one of those, you know, Big old life application, probably King James study Bibles that uh, that keeps you apart. Otherwise, that's uh, you know you're a little too close to someone else. Oh, there's so many stupid things that we did, and I, I, I get why we did it. We mentioned last week that teenagers are big balls of horniness and hormones, and they make yeah. So really what was the positive? Decisions. Why why did we do it? What what was the right thing? If there was anything right, what was the right thing behind it? Well, I mean, there's, I don't know where the stat comes from, but I've heard it forever. And so I'm just going to repeat it because uh, it's 2022 and we don't have to ac- actually have facts, right. but 98% of high school relationships do not lead to marriage. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's true or not. Sounds true. We're going to go with it. So it's normal to want to protect kids from hurt, especially if we care for them. And too often teenagers do rush into exclusive romantic relationships because before they're ready, because as we talked about last week, we don't teach the difference between romantic feelings and intimate friendship feelings. Right. And so 
We wanted to protect kids from doing stupid things sexually. We wanted to protect kids from, um, we wanted to help them guard their heart. It was a, it was a virtuous desire. We knew that the relationships were probably going to fail. So if they're going to fail, why not? And so by saying they're going to fail, or uh, instead of saying they don't lead to marriage, it makes it seem like nothing good can come out of a breakup right? or nothing good can come out of a, a dating relationship that doesn't lead to marriage. And so we, we were trying to protect people, but I think we just didn't do it. Looking back, I, there was no ill intention from any of us doing this, but looking back, we could have done it better. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is like, when we think about this again, and so much of this podcast has moved a little bit beyond kind of a youth group perspective. But if we bring it back to, for those of you who are leading student ministries and youth groups or leading in churches, here's one thing for me is that I think a lot of these are set up well for uh, certain individuals, certain situations, certain family backgrounds. But, you know, we used to say this all the time in ministry is like, we, we get kids for 52 hours a year at most. If you had them for on average one hour a week, it's like, I get them for one hour a week, 52 hours a year. There are the other, however many other, you know, whatever that math is hours that they're not with us. And I think we start emphasizing the wrong thing because we don't realize who's walking through our doors. And so I would say that there were times where me being in a suburban, uh, upper middle class, uh, campus or ministry, you start talking to people in different ministry areas, in different settings. They would just kind of laugh at some of this because culturally it's not even, it's not even the same. And so I think part of it is like, maybe it was a right approach at one point for one group of people, for one size of church, for one demographic of church that had a different home life. But now at this point, you have no idea if you're sending your kids back to a home where the parents even value the same things that you're preaching, or if they've ever talked about sex or what their background was. And so I think that's the other thing is we take this blanket approach, which we talked a little bit about last week with the, with the relationships and the sin, but we take this blanket approach to what, what solutions will work when we haven't ever really even dug down into figuring out like, what's the main problem that we want to solve with these kids? Is it, is it just, hey, as long as they don't have sex before they get married, my job is done. Like as a youth pastor, would you and really say that? In a lot that? of churches, that's the expectation though. Right. As long as you keep the kids off drugs, as long yep. as they're not having sex with each other, and yep. as long as they're showing up, that yep. is success for a lot of youth ministries. And, and, and that's why I'll, we're I'll, in this situation. And I want to I go back to one of the things you said. Because you don't know what we're sending kids back into, because there are so many parents that aren't involved and have no desire to be involved in their kids' spiritual mm-hmm. life, that's what makes leading teenagers so freaking hard. Yes. That's what makes being a youth pastor, a youth leader, a volunteer leader, whatever you are, that's why it's one of the most difficult positions in a church or mm-hmm. in ministry. Because you get a kid for 52 hours a week or 52 at hours most. a year at most, and then you send them. And the mm-hmm. expectation is for you to keep them and to be their biggest discipleship source in their life. No way you can leave, live up that expectation. Right. And so you're doing the best you can with the limited amount of time you have. So it's only natural to put the biggest wide sweeping rules or processes or whatever 
to try to get keep everyone safe. And right. so that's that's why things went wrong because we were trying to keep kids safe and we could only do so much. And what and in that process we throw we unintentionally throw grace out the window. So because we've set up a system where it's passed especially fail, in purity culture. Yes. Yeah. It's a pass fail system, right? Don't have sex before marriage. Don't have drugs. You know, don't do drugs. Don't, you know, don't stop showing up. That's pass fail. There's no, we're not teaching. We're not emphasizing the teaching of how do you handle things when something goes wrong? We're not teaching those types of things because I mean, I I would say maybe you wouldn't say it out loud, but there's a ton of you with a Christian conservative background that's going, well, I don't want to give them a get out of jail free card. Ooh, okay. I I'm with you, but at the same time, I've screwed up. I know you've screwed up. I know the people listening have screwed up. And I want I would much I know every have, hang on. Every guy I didn't have the conversation with the girl, so I don't know this, but every guy that was a part of the student ministry I was a part of, none of us got to marriage without making some type of sexual mistake. Sure. Even while we were at the front of the group telling kids not to do that. Mm-hmm. I was engaged for a large part of that making similar mistakes because that's what happens. Yep. And I don't, I don't want to de-emphasize or tell people it's okay. It's natural though. So right. we have to have a, we have to change this conversation from around protecting kids from going too far to how do we reframe that mm-hmm. in light of the gospel that Yes, this is not what you were made to do in this season. Yes, it is dangerous for you to be sexually active as an unmarried person, but there is grace. You are not less of a person. And we've got to reframe that in light of the gospel instead of just saying, uh, who would want you if you were not sexually pure until marriage? No one would want Mm -hmm. you, so stay pure. Yeah, I think there's there's something that in in this mindset, I I go back to... Um, you know, the reaction, this always sticks out in my head for some reason, but I go back to the reaction that, that God had with, with Adam and Eve in, in the garden in Genesis three. Um, and you know, they said, they said like, why, why are you hiding basically? And, and, uh, they said, we, you know, we were, we were naked, so we were afraid and we hid. And God said to them, who told you that you were naked? And I, I don't know. I mean, of course, biblical scholars, you could tell me that, that I'm wrong, but I read into that a, a loving father that has just seen his kids make a mistake. And he goes, oh, who told you that? You know, like who spoke that into you? Who did that? You know? And so there's this reaction to a mistake. Yes, of course, there were consequences, everything else like that. We could talk about it. But the first reaction to the mistake, I almost think is like God just going, oh man, I mean, that's, there are going to be things in your life that are going to be tough and let's, let's work through this. And I think like that same sort of reaction is like as a youth leader, as a parent, as a whatever, man, I would much rather my kids and the kids that I led, if I could go back and do it all over again with, with youth, know that their church leaders, their volunteers, their youth leaders or youth pastors, whatever, we were of the mindset of like, hey, their parents. Yeah, exactly. Like, but I'm saying from a ministry perspective, if I had more of the mindset of instead of like, don't, 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 to saying like, hey, you know what? This is the way God has designed it. This is the way God has designed you. There's going to be some things that don't go well if you make this decision. And we want to help you as much as possible. At the same time, you need to know that when bad things happen, 
that there's someone here for you. And I want you to trust and know that you can come and talk to me and you don't have to run and you don't have to hide because all we're doing is teaching kids that they need to hide that shame, that they need to lie, that they're going to sneak around and do it even more because they can't even talk about it. How many, how many addiction stories have you heard when somebody says, Oh, I did this the first time. And then I didn't think I could tell anybody because I thought I'd get disowned. And that led them into more and more and more of it because there wasn't an air of grace, empathy, and understanding. And if, if the rules the guardrails, the regulations, and the consequences become our talking points, we are going to lose people because we have de-emphasized grace and empathy and understanding. And so there's an idea that we hear in the church a lot is that the church needs to be known what they're for more than what we're against. That's mm-hmm. become really popular in the last few years. And so if we apply that to dating, Imagine if we spent more time teaching kids what to look for in a girlfriend or a boyfriend, right. what they should be expecting in a relationship, how they should be treated, how right. they should treat the other person, what the goal of dating is instead of just spending all our time trying to protect them from the big boogeyman of sex. I, or, I wish I could go back and do, you know, here's two, two, two talks I would give. Why boundaries are biblical, right? And why consent is Christ-like. Oh my gosh. If I would have done those two, and talked about those sorts of things and respecting the boundaries of other instead of purity culture, man, I wish I could do that because I think we're training into people how to interact with one another as opposed to trying to train people how to, like you said, guard their heart to a point where it becomes the castle and the moat and and they they just they throw out everything else along with it. But not, I mean, that's a large portion of this. Mm-hmm. But if, even if we took the sex side of things out, what if we were teaching kids about, I mean, that Ephesians 5 thing you were talking about where, hey, when you're in a relationship, guys, this is about leading your girlfriend by serving her, mm-hmm. by pointing her towards Christ, by trying to help her become who she can be in Jesus. It's not about getting your own desires and having someone make you a sandwich or be there and make you, make you feel good about yourself. And we, if we did that as opposed to emphasizing running from sex, Mm -hmm. then imagine what those kids would experience when they started dating in college or dating in their twenties they would know about service, about sacrifice, about all the things that actually make a marriage successful yep. as opposed to just looking for their smoking hot wife who's going to be attractive and allow them to do the things they want to do sexually. That's a part of have, marriage. We also need pastors to stop saying that about their own wives. We do. That's, another, that's, a whole that's another thing. That, that's a different one. But imagine if we if we told kids what dating was for right. instead of protecting them against things. How different would we approach dating if we were taught to actually guard our heart mm-hmm. and not store it away in a castle? Yep. And then if that's your culture of your church, think about this, because we've talked about this before, where the sense of people who have grown up from a biblical mindset is becoming the minority. And so now people that maybe in their 20s or 30s are approaching your church, if your church has the culture of those sorts of things, as opposed to just preaching against, people are walking in the door that were never Christian to begin with, that have had sex before marriage, 
And now you, they, they are feeling more accepted and loved into it, knowing that there's a path forward. There are people who have had kids that, you know, are single parents, whether for whatever reason that are now going to know that they're not some broken, you know, piece of refuge that, that just is thrown away. They're open and accepted into your church. And so I think that that's a different mindset to have as well. Agreed. And we're a little long here, but I want to throw one more thing out before we go. How different would we approach dating if we told kids that it's actually okay and might even be healthy to teach people, hey, that relationship, it likely won't lead to marriage, but enjoy the process of getting Mm -hmm. to know someone in a new way develop the skills needed to be a great wife or a great husband, learn how to sacrifice, to put others first, to care for someone, to have hard conversations, but be careful in how you do it and how you feel. If Mm -hmm. it leads to, if it leads to marriage, then awesome. But if not, God can use anything. And so approach this relationship as if it's going to prepare you for marriage, not necessarily always has to lead to marriage. Correct. They have to know that the goal isn't always to fall in love or to chase this emotional high because marriage is not an emotional high. Marriage is not mm-hmm. about being in love all the time. It's okay to be with someone, especially when you're 15 years old, where you enjoy spending time with them, where you have romantic feelings for them, but you're not necessarily quote unquote in love. It's mm-hmm. okay to learn these things. We can't be chasing that Disney princess relationship always because it's not going to work out and it leads to unmet expectations that leads to baggage that leads to terrible dating techniques. And then it's a cycle all over again. And you get to be in your late twenties and you're divorced and you're looking, you're on the dating scene again in your thirties with a kid and an ex-wife. And the whole thing is just a bag of mess because you were never taught how to date in the first place. Right. Or there's an overemphasis put on all of that, that you were talking about and you're in your thirties and you're single. And especially, again, this is not my perspective, so I can't speak to it accurately, but this is the story that I hear from friends and family members that I love dearly of feeling that pressure that somehow they're less of a Christian, they're less of a person, because at 30, at 40 plus, they're not married, and maybe they haven't even had a, 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 a dating relationship to begin with. And they start to feel bad because one, they never got into dating because of this emphasis of like, they never found the person that they wanted to marry. So they never even started. So then it created this snowball effect of like, they never actually got out there to meet people or dating and marriage just wasn't interesting to them. And we need to be able to establish that that's okay. You're not second class citizens or that there's anything wrong with you. Or, and I'm opening up a big ball of worms here. Or maybe you have same sex attractive attraction and you realize that you want to stay monogamous or maybe you're not interested in marriage at all because you're asexual and you're just not interested in sex. If you are single, you are not less than you are not a less than Christian. God does not look differently at you. You are still valued and loved. And even though we've been talking about dating this whole time, if it hasn't quote unquote worked out, if you're not married, that's okay. God still loves you. He still cares for you and you're not less than, but I, I, I purposely teased up that same sex attraction, that asexuality, because next week 
we're actually diving into the topic of homosexuality and how we talked about that in youth group, how we approached it as Christians. We're not going to try to make a case for why homosexuality is okay. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about how we viewed the gay community, the LGBTQ community, how we spoke about it and a better approach to how we could view that entire community moving forward in a more loving way. So if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the show. Share this with a friend if uh, you enjoyed it. Thanks for hanging out with us a little bit longer than normal today. But uh, we'll be back next week for what I think is going to be a really, really important episode. So we hope to see you next week. Have a great week.